Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it. Because we can't move forward until the truth is known. Hey, it's Educator Barnes here, and today I would like to talk about the five P's of the Parent-Teacher Conference. You know, it's that time of year when it's time for teachers and parents, and depending on the school, the student, to sit down formally and talk about your students, um, talk about our students' academic and behavioral progress. Now, I'm going to focus on parent-teachers conferences, you know, the traditional way. Um, I've been at a school uh, for five years uh, where they were called student-led conferences, or we said SLCs for short, and that's where the student was tasked with having ownership over their learning, which I really think uh, students should have ownership over their learning. But uh, because everyone doesn't do it that way, I'm just going to focus on the traditional way with the hopes that some of the tips I share can be applied to SLCs. So the five P's I'm going to talk about is um, our preparation, practice, presentation, and if I would put in parentheses, performance, and I'll explain why I'm putting that in parentheses and why I'm mentioning the word performance, pivot, and proactive. So those are the five P's I'm going to cover. So let's start with preparation. Depending on what you teach or what setting you teach in depends on the level of preparation you need. You have elementary educators who have their students all day long, except for special area time, where they are teaching them reading, writing, math, science, social studies. So you have all this to get them ready for, um, to talk about the grades in different subject areas, because you could have a child who is a rock star in reading, but is not doing so well in math. And so you have to prepare, how are you gonna give information to parents about all of the different subject areas. If you're a secondary educator, like I've been for the majority of my career, you have so many students. And I would say, if you're not an elective secondary teacher, my hope would be by the time of conferences, one of the things that you would need to know, you need to know everyone's name. So that's part of your preparation if you're secondary. You need to know every child's name. Yes, it takes a while to learn names. I was I was always probably one of the teachers that was one of the last teachers to learn names, but was interesting enough, even though I may forget a child's name, students knew I knew them pretty well. I was very good at remembering details about students, things that students like, where students were from, but for the life of me, I couldn't get their face and their name to stick in my brain. But I always had a deadline. When I walk, when you walk in, student, with your parent, I'm not going to be looking at you blank face. I'm going to know who you are. And most of our Learning management systems or grade books have the picture of the child and their name. So if that means you're taking time, five minutes each day, secondary educators, and you're just scrolling through that, looking at the face and looking at the name, it makes a parent feel like, it makes a parent potentially feel some type of way. They walk in with their child and they've been with you for eight or nine weeks and you still don't know my baby's name? Like, don't be that educator. Know their names. So first of all, you need to be prepared. All your grading should be caught up. Parents should not be coming to the conference and you're like, well, I haven't had time to grade this. It is acceptable um, for any grade to be to say something like, well, we're finishing up um, the, this unit and we haven't, I haven't put the grades in for the end of the unit project or the end of the unit assessment. 
that's perfectly fair. But if I'm if a parent is walking into a conference and you really don't have your information together, that's a problem. So some of the things I feel like you need to prepare is have the grades together. If there's an issue academically, bring some evidence to show the parent. I was an English teacher for the majority of my career. And one of the toughest things to do is to look at a parent when their child's in eighth grade and tell them that your child cannot read or they cannot read very well. And I remember one in particular, this mom was mad. And you know what? I, I give it to her. I think she has some reasons on some levels to be upset. And she's like, how my baby going to get up to eighth grade? And this is the first time y'all telling me he can't read. Mrs. Barnes, my baby can read. You just over exaggerating. And so I did something. I came prepared because I always, and I, at this point in time, I have been teaching for a minute, maybe six or seven years. So I'm already prepared that there's going to be some pushback because this is a difficult thing to hear. You, to hear that your child's about to go to high school and they're not ready. I had a book, grade level book. And uh, this particular school, we did student-led conferences. So the students did the conferences and then the teachers were available for one-on-one -on -one conversations if parents wanted to follow up directly with the teacher. So this is a parent who wanted to follow up directly with me. I, I told, said to the child, I said, sit down and read this. I said, this is the eighth grade book. Showed her that it was eighth grade. Child could barely read anything. And I tell you, this woman almost teared up in my classroom because, and she, 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 she didn't say anything. And the child was, was, had his head down. And I told the child, I said, put your head up. Um, I slid over what he could read, right? And then I pulled out data and I said to the parent, I said, when your child came into my classroom, Right here, he was reading on the second grade level. This text I'm sliding to him right now is a fourth grade level. So he's already grown in this classroom. I just want you to know that he's still not on grade level. And that's why he's struggling to read this eighth grade text. And so he needs some help reading. And this is what I need you to do. That conversation would not have been successful had I not come prepared with where the child started, where the child currently is, where the child needs to be. And even to the point where I had a text to be like read because I've already had these conversations before and I know there's pushback so um, if there's any speaking of data so that reading data um, I had was based on the assessment so if you're doing uh, running records in WEA you had uh, your standardized testing scores come back what F and P's whatever you are using have that data ready and then think about how you're going to get that to the parents so that's the preparation part and if I'm going to give you a copy of NWA a copy of your reading level uh, if you're elementary you have other things copy of where you are in math these are the math facts your child knows on this time test and I'm gonna give a whole bunch of handouts or I'm gonna make a one-pager I like one-pagers my students know I like one-pagers because it just makes it easier and it's less overwhelming so the, the information I wanted parents to know I would just do a one-pager and I would fill that information out uh, for my copy but because I mostly taught middle school I'm not sitting here about to do all this work. Uh, I had the students during class time fill in some of the other information and then I looked through it to make sure it was correct. That gave way less work on my time because we had binders and binders were organized. So right now, pull out your sheet that says your reading level, write in your reading level. Now I'm making a lap around the classroom to make sure everybody wrote in their reading level. That took so much less time than me taking those forms home and then going over every single thing pulling up the reading writing that in pulling in how they did on the our essay writing that in that took that would have took way too much time that was me at the beginning of my career 
Now, I'm at this point in my career, I ain't got time for all that. So, any part of the preparation that you can have the students do, have them do it. Save your time. The only thing you have to prepare is, when in my class am I going to do that? Because, you know, that's not typically part of your schedule. So, what could you shorten or what could you eliminate that day? So, uh, for me, we did silent, sustained reading. So, over a few couple of days, I said, look, kids, because I, I needed my kids to read every day. So, we wasn't just going to eliminate that. I said, hey, I'm cutting that in half for the next two to three days because we have to fill out these sheets because, you know, conferences are coming up. Collective moan, groan, then we moved on and we got it done. So, that preparation. So, that was the first P of the conferences. Have your stuff together. Don't be that. Because, I remember, I'm also a parent. I don't want to come in as a parent and you're her fumbling and bumbling and don't got your stuff together. Because parent like me, I will get annoyed and I will ask to tell you about yourself and say something like, I'm just disappointed that, you know, I took off this time tonight to come right here to meet with you and you're not ready. It's just disappointing to me. Very disappointing. And I do say things like that, which people know. The next piece is practice. So now you've got all your stuff together. You need to practice for the conference. We all know we have those parents who love us think we're the best things to slice bread and then we had those parents that we probably think in the back of our head if they saw us on the street I don't know what's about to go down they may say all types of things to us so keeping in mind the parents that may be difficult and you know you're gonna have to say some difficult words to them about their child you want to practice what that conversation looks like um, I am very good at being direct and having difficult conversations I've been like that since I was a kid um, I will say as I've grown I've gotten better at articulating myself but I've never had problems being direct so what I would typically be involved in practice I would actually practice with colleagues that wanted to practice with me so I would role play so-and-so's mama um, be kind of a little nasty and then they had the opportunity to practice like giving the rebuttal or saying what they needed to say and even practice uh, straight up like well I thank you for your time but this is not being productive so if you can't Speak to me without uh, calling me out of my name. I'm going to have to end this conference. Because you really need to be prepared for parents like that. Twice in my career, I've had parents, two parents, uh, during my career, two different schools, where they were actually restricted to talk to me uh, because they threatened me. Uh, one threatened to beat me up because I, the parent accused me of stealing her child's jacket. And I said, I don't believe that child even wore a jacket to my class. Long story short, they actually pulled a videotape. Kid never wore the jacket to my class. Uh, jacket got left in science class. Kid never went to all his classes. Like I said, because I had him at the end of the day, I said, here, go check your classes. I even sent him, which I saw on the videotape. The day I said I sent him, he didn't even go check all his classes. He went to the restroom and went to the water fountain. But parent had threatened to beat me up. So my parents were like, anybody threatened to beat up people they don't get access to. So she could only speak to me on the phone. So it wasn't like we were cutting off the communication completely. We were not going to speak to you in person. And then another parent who actually ended up losing his job over this, and that happened at the very beginning of my career, showed up uh, on the uh, Indigo, so the Indigo bus, the parents of the Indigo showed up on the bus um, to threaten me. And actually, a teacher who was a Marine came out and was like, hey, you can't just come through the school and come into Mrs. Barnes' classroom. The child had went home and said that she had all these zeros because Mrs. Barnes was giving her stuff. And once again, I was able to prove that that's not even what happened. Parent apologized, but uh, principal was, not, was really upset um, because this parent was huge, and I'm just a little 5'2 person. So the parent actually called and said, your employee on company time came here, and the, person, the parent ended up... Uh, getting in trouble so 
And I was actually disappointed. I didn't want my principal to do that because at the end of the day, I don't want any parent to lose their job, right? And that, that was just a bit much for me, but also it was a bit daunting. So you have to be prepared uh, and practice for those type of situations. Like a parent, because look, I tell teachers all the time, you don't got to take verbal abuse. No one has the right to talk to you any type of way. We, don't, we shouldn't allow our students to talk to us that way, and we shouldn't allow their parents. And then we also, you know, we said, well, the parent cursing you out. We see why the child was trying to curse me out. So, quote, unquote, the apple don't fall too far from the tree. But practice what you're going to say. Even if you don't have a particular, let's say you don't have any hot spots, at least take a time to practice or run through your head how you're going to say this. You know, okay, hey, wake, welcome to my classroom. Thanks for coming to conferences. Come on and have a seat. Today, and I always had an agenda. I always had the parents, what we're going to go over. Uh, today, we're going to talk about, and I did English, we're going to talk about how your child is doing in reading and writing, and we're going to look a little bit at vocabulary. Then, if you have any, then I'll talk about behavior. And if you have any questions and concerns, that's what we'll talk about. Do you have any questions about this agenda? Parent typically says no. I'm good, Mrs. Barnes. Then we ran through the agenda. I asked answered any questions and concerns. And when we were getting close to the end of their time, because you know these conferences are scheduled back to back, I would say, hey, we got about five minutes left, so I really want to make sure I get to any questions you have. So if you don't have anything else about this, here's some forms about this. Oh, I also would have a slot in there for standardized testing, uh, too. And then I kept it moving. But I practiced that in my head so I wasn't going in there cold, right? You don't want your first few conferences to be your trial runs, and then you kind of get better towards the end. Don't do that. My third one is the presentation slash performance and I know you're probably wondering why you, why did you say performance the presentation is like how you're going to have yourself together to be ready for these conferences how is your room going to come together and so for me it's like it is like a big performance I did choir for uh, gosh elementary through like the first year of college and there is a certain way you're supposed to dress, a certain way you're supposed to carry yourself, a certain way that the area is supposed to be for this big day. And granted, for some of us, we may be performing. Some of us, you talk to this parent every single day and you are tired. So you may have to dig deep and put on that smile, put on that little chipper happy voice because you want to make it clear that even though you're being difficult, I'm going to rise above and I'm going to be the professional here. And so you want to think about how is your classroom set up? What is the presentation in your classroom? Are you going to have student work displayed around the room? And what does your room look like? Don't, uh, the day before conferences, I always told my kids, and my students overall weren't, they weren't that messy because I just didn't tolerate that. And some of my students said I was a little bit OCD with keeping things orderly. But I said, I, I can't live in a messy environment and I won't teach in one. And you're not going to come into this classroom and make it messy. So if we have to stop and pick up things. Uh, that's what we're going to do. And once you figure out that I'm going to continue to have you do that, you'll probably just stop letting things get on the floor. And actually, that is what happened because I'm very serious. I'm very serious about how my desk is laid out. Students will tell you that if my desk is out of order, I will slide back around to my desk and put it back in order because it's really that deep to me. And then I have my desk and my students have their supplies in their desk because students aren't allowed to touch supplies on my desk. And if they do, I make a huge big deal of it, make a huge scene. I'm not mean. I'm not nasty. I'm just saying I'm just a bit confused right now because I don't know 
why this person is taking a stapler from Mrs. Barnes's desk. Can somebody explain to me the procedures about supplies? And I get that dramatic. And someone will say, we have our own supplies. You do not take supplies from Mrs. Barnes's desk. So, <laughs> so that's kind of how I am as an educator, uh, kind of like that at home. Uh, but, you know, that's just who I am. And I, I'm comfortable and I'm confident in who I am. So you set the norm for your area. But if your area, because we know there are some people, their rooms, um, education, now their room be a little hot mess sometimes. But it comes conference time, they do clean it up. So if you want those people, clean up your room. Uh, if you don't have student work on the wall, get it on the wall. If you wiped off the agenda for the day, put it back up on the board so the parents can see, oh, this is how she does the agenda. Oh, these are the type of objectives they've been doing this week. These are um, artifacts or evidence from the unit they've been teaching. Because... I'll tell you, when I ask myself, what do you do at school today? I start with that question. And then they say, oh, uh, not th this doesn't work. So what did you do in reading? What did you do in social studies? And I start digging deep. Oh, what did you learn from that story? Did you like that story? But even though I'm asking these prompty questions, I still don't have the whole complete picture. So anything that you can put up and present in your classroom is helpful to parents to fill in that picture. So... And then you have that big day. So the big day comes, you do the conferences, and they happen. So that's kind of the performance. That's the presentation. You go through all the stuff you've practiced, that like you've prepared, and that happens. So after the performance or the conference day, right, you got to pivot. That means you have to adjust. The one thing that parents bring to the table, um, and I'm going to go back. Back to school night is not the time for this to happen, right? So you may have met all your parents at back to school night, but it was kind of formal, like, hey, I'm uh, Miss Baker. I'm Johnny's mom. Nice to meet you. You know, good year. Now Miss Baker has come back and she has some information for you about Johnny that's going to help you. Or like Johnny's been in tutoring for math and these are the things he's working on with his tutor. And here's some of the strategies that works with him in tutoring. So now that you got information from the parents, because that's the biggest piece of the parent teacher conference, is not just for you to talk at the parent. You, like I said, at the end, you should have time for them to talk back to you. You're getting information back from that parent. And now you got to pivot. You're not, you got to adjust what you're doing. So if the parent says, look, every school year, my kid always ends up being moved to the front of the room. And once he gets moved to the front of the room, his behavior turns around. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that, Miss Baker. I'll make sure to adjust my seating chart ASAP. Now you adjust it. Now look, Johnny's not causing you problems. Now granted. Every suggestion a parent gives you is not going to be a, a miracle and it may not change anything, but it gives you some perspective or at least give you some background or lets you know some things to do and things not to do. At least you have a little bit extra information in your arsenal that you can use. And then you need to be proactive. I always kept a log of parents who had these concerns, right? You know, I never received a positive phone call. Y'all teachers don't care about my kids. You know, those type of things. Parents who were just, just angry or parents who may not have been angry have some concerns. Then I was proactive. About two weeks after conferences, any parent that had a concern, I made it a point to call them back or email them and said, hey, remember we talked about your child's reading level and we came up with a plan that he was going to do this extra reading. I'm just circling back to see how that's going. Would you like me to send some books home? Hey, your child didn't do these essays, but you know I want your child to be successful, so I gave them an opportunity to work on this. How is that going? Hey, you know, today, this whole entire week, you know, Sam participated in class. I know we talked about class participation and being a risk taker and kind of having owning of their learning. 
and your child did that today. And I just want to say I'm, I'm super proud of the effort your child's putting in. That's being proactive because, granted, now some schools do conferences twice. They do it at the beginning of the year and then do it towards the end of the year. Some schools do not. So this may be the only time you kind of get that one-on-time kind of school-mandated time. But it's your responsibility to be proactive throughout the rest of the school year to make sure you're having these conversations and carrying on that relationship. A relationship has two parts, and the teacher is part of it. And I assert that teachers need to be proactive because when parents are sending their children off to school, they're doing other things. They're working a job. They're holding down the fort, right, for the most part. And so they may not have all the time in the world to reach out and do all this communication, but a lot of parents do respond back if reached out to, or if a parent said, school won't ever call me about nothing, do you make sure you call? So at least, especially in secondary, I know I'm going to annoy some of my colleagues. I have one colleague who just always, you know that negative Nancy, well, we already know Sean Tatum called. Okay, and, like, if you know you're always getting flagged for not contacting parents, at some point, you think you would just do it. But once again, you know, I focus on what I can control. I can't control that some people keep getting flagged for things and they're not being proactive in addressing it. I never wanted a parent to say that I didn't call or didn't contact or didn't make the effort or didn't put a plan in place. So once I got new information about that child, I implemented it. If I had a concern about that child, I made sure I followed up. And I made sure not only did I do it two weeks after conferences, then I carried on throughout the rest of the school year. And there's different ways to do that. You can send uh, mass emails to parents to give updates uh, about what's happening in your classroom. If that's an issue, you know, many, many parents felt like they didn't know it wasn't a no. Make a website, put things on there. Or if you have some parents that are kind of your high flyer parents, can we talk about having high flyer kids? We got some high flyer parents, right? You have those high flyer parents that's going to ask questions about everything. And remember, as an educator, you are obligated to answer those questions. No matter how annoyed you are about it, no matter how clear you thought you had said it, you are obligated to answer. So I had a high flyer parent list. These are the parents who's probably going to ask about this. So how can I be proactive and address this? Or how can I make sure I'm giving at least a positive phone call a week or every other week to let that parent know that I'm keeping their child in mind and I actually care about their child? Because after one thing, Think parents like to throw out, you don't care about my child. I guess you just here collecting the check. Well, actually, now you speak of it, I am collecting the check and I care about your child. Now, I wouldn't add that I am collecting the check part, but that's why I'll be thinking in my head. Uh, yeah, I'm not doing this work for free. And since I'm not doing this work for free, I would appreciate it if you work with me a little bit more. But nonetheless, you know, we have to focus on what we can control. So just to go back over my five P's, uh, parent-teacher conferences, you got to be prepared. Have your stuff together. You need to practice, run through how you're going to uh, give this information over to parents. Get ready for the big day. Get ready for that big presentation slash performance, the actual conference. Pivot, make adjustments based on what you have learned from the parents or guardians. And then last, be proactive. Go and do something with the information you were given to improve instruction, to improve your classroom environment. So hopefully these five P's are helpful. Um, I'm an English teacher at heart, so you know English teachers, we love to give some alliteration when we can. I was like, oh yeah, I, I wrote down preparation, then I wrote down present, like, hmm, two P's. Shantae, you already know the rest got to start with a P. So I was out here trying to make it work for y'all. So hopefully these five P's are catchy and they stick in your brain. And then let me know how your conferences uh, go and maybe there's something I didn't address that I could address next time. And I will check you uh, next week on the podcast.